Well, welcome to A Little Better. Um, you're probably noticing that this episode is dropping on an odd day, and that's because this is a bonus episode that we're very excited about. Recently, some of our staff went around the world to Cambodia, and we would love to share what is happening on the other side of the world. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome, Deb and Michelle. Uh, Boy, I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. I mean, um, people are going to hear new stuff and I'm going to hear new stuff. I haven't really had a chance to get a debrief, so... I'm so eager to hear the answers, you know, to my questions, but also just for you to share whatever is on your heart. But Michelle Geringer is the outreach director here at Northridge Church. Uh, Deb, you are what we call, what do we call, you are staff. <laughs> staff development right now. You're staff, but yeah. we, we don't pay you what you're worth, that's for sure. <laughs> I think you have a salary of zero, but Deb brings just incredible experience, um, and administration, just a lot of helps, you know, to our organization. But tell us how this happened. Somehow, the two of you got on a plane <laughs> to Cambodia. Why were you on that plane? How did that come about? Give us the backstory. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. So, um, Brad, thanks for having us. Appreciate being on here and being able to share a little bit more. Um, so, the organization that we went to go visit, its nickname is. AIM, like you're shooting an arrow, AIM, um, but the, the name of it is Agape International Missions, and they've been operating for 18 years in the country of Cambodia doing anti-sex trafficking work, um, and so the reason that they got started was because Cambodia is known, or was known at the time, to be a hub for um, child sex trafficking. So if people all around the world wanted to engage in that kind of behavior, they would say, I'm going to go to Cambodia. And so um, AIM got started through, um, you know, a set of circumstances and, and began to fight sex trafficking. And they have just grown exponentially and have a really, really robust program that they not only do do rescues alongside of local police, they have restoration homes so that women and girls who are saved from sex trafficking have the opportunity to heal and to have a safe place to be. Um, and then they also have a lot of prevention programs that they do to try to address the root causes of why did this thing get started in the first place. And so uh, Northridge has been supporting AIM for four years now, and nobody has ever gotten the chance to see it. Uh, the pandemic is not a great time to visit <laughs> Asia, so nobody's gone. Um, and so Deb and I had the chance um, just this year as a first opportunity to be able to go and see the work that they've been doing. Right. It was really um, the first vision trip that they've had, and there were four of us. Michelle and I went um, from here, and then another um, woman from uh, Colorado, mm-hmm. and then a staff member for AIM was accompanied us, and she uh, has not been back for seven years, so it was like fresh eyes for her as well, so it was really just the four of us, and um, Michelle and I have been talking for a while about wanting to, you know, to find out more about this, and the, the opportunity presented itself, and we seized the moment. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah. Well, listen, I... I um... I'd like to understand how big the problem is. Just can you scope out um, how, I mean, you saw some of it. I mean, and you know from people, you know, because you've heard stories and their experiences. So both the, kind of the size of the problem and maybe a little backstory on Cambodia, that why did it become a, a hub for sex trafficking? 
Is that? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, Cambodia, it, the the issue of sex trafficking is not limited to Cambodia. It's all over the world, mm-hmm. um, and and in Cambodia and in Southeast Asia, it is very prominent. Um, and so that's that area of the world is specifically known for being, um, a place where, uh, there's child prostitution. Um, so that's, that's like kind of one of the reasons why, um, that area was kind of focused on. Um, but, but in general, the problem is way, way bigger than Cambodia. There's mm-hmm. 6 million people across the globe that are currently enslaved in sex trafficking. Um, um, most of those people are women and girls. Most are minors, um, and so there's a there's a huge huge problem with that and with the appetite for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why is because you know when when you're looking to make money, um, you can you can sell drugs. Let's say if you think about other like illegal things, you can sell drugs one time, but you can sell a person five to eight times a day, over and over again for 10 years or 15 years. So that's, that's just the, the cost and the weight of what you can gain from taking advantage of somebody is so, so high that it's, it's one of the fastest growing criminal activities in the world. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of just the face of like, that is just the, the reality of trafficking. That's, that's why it's so sought after. It's about the money. It's about mm-hmm. the money, and um, and one of the reasons in Cambodia that it kind of has taken off is because of just uh, not seeing the value of people or of women specifically. So there's a Cambodian proverb, and it says that men are like gold, and if you drop gold, you can just pick it up and you can wipe it off, and then they're gonna shine. And women are like a white paper, and if you drop them, they get dirty, and then. You cannot fix it. And um, this is the way that people in Cambodia have historically seen and viewed women. And so there's there's just so much culturally that kind of sets the stage for people to feel like this is the only option and to feel very stuck in their circumstances. Yeah. the the um, One of the things we that was evident right away for us was the stark contrast between um, just the poverty... And then a huge gap between um, that and and the wealthy. You could mm-hmm. see it no matter no matter where you went. But um, what Michelle says is just is so true and so evident. And the first day that we were there, um, we visited the church, which we can talk more about. But the second day, uh, we went to the killing fields. And for me, as a you know, as a college student, um, we heard about Cambodia. We heard mm-hmm. about all the things, the Khmer Rouge, those kinds of things that were going on, but we really didn't understand. So to go there early in our trip and to see what that country experienced at the hands of just tyrannical rule right. um, was unbelievable. So it set the stage for us to help us understand like a whole generation of people mm-hmm. um, just really losing their their family structure, their religion, right. their business, all of those things. It sort of set the stage uh, for this kind of activity where people are um, in severe poverty. They mm-hmm. don't really have their compass, their moral compass about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that really um, 
Yeah. Boy, it really it yeah. really punched us in the gut yeah. and made us realize that this is not about, certainly about our judgment, it's about understanding these people's story yeah. mm-hmm. and where they, where they come from, what they need to do to survive, or at least what they think they need to do to yeah. survive. And it's shocking. You know, mm-hmm. it's shocking when you think about about kids, yeah. about young girls. It's it's shocking, mm-hmm. but you ha- you start to to understand a little bit. Yeah, Deb, you and I are old enough to remember the Vietnam conflict. Yeah, I was. I remembered as a kid. I was not old enough to be drafted, but would see the news reports every day. And yeah. I think I remember the the tallies of American dead. You know, every day. But that conflict obviously had entered American consciousness because it spilled over into Cambodia. Sure did. I don't think we sent troops in, but we bombed that country quite a bit. Sure did. And. Uh, and it th- kind of set the stage, mm-hmm. again, set the stage for that country's vulnerability to mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. to come in, to take over, and, you know, yeah. essentially, um, I mean, the current population, Michelle, correct me, is about three million of Phnom Penh, the city yeah. where we were most. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, they estimate that close to that many people were killed in the killing fields. Wow. You know, if you wore glasses, it was a sign of wealth. If you had... Um, intelligence, education, any of those things, mm. you were eliminated. And um, so they come they come from a place of rebuilding, and it's so fresh. I mean, the 70s, mm-hmm. the late 70s was not that long ago. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, for us to understand that. Michelle, you had pointed me towards a film, uh, First They Killed My Father. Mm-hmm. I'm getting choked up talking <laughs> about it. So... It's hard to see, you know, the darkness mm-hmm. uh, of the world. But um, that, that film is currently on Netflix. It's an Angelina Jolie-directed film. It's very good. Beautifully shot, but horrible experience is Chronicle. But it gives you that background of just a country destroyed by tyrannical, despotic communism mm-hmm. that ripped apart families and, and did horrible things. So... So that there are decades later, this kind of damage that lingers, mm-hmm. you know, is not not surprising. But um, you know, I think one of the things that we did experience, you know, it it's tremendously emotional. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't not cry. You can't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like it's almost too much. You get really overwhelmed. Um, but in the midst mm-hmm. of all of that pain and darkness and the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Life continues, yeah. Yeah. and there's beauty, mm-hmm. and there's so much amazing things about Cambodia, mm-hmm. and and probably the the best and most beautiful thing we saw was um, there's a small little fishing village, which is where AIM got its start, um, mm-hmm. and so that was really the heart of the people that they're trying to serve, the people of Swaipak, um, and that's the name of that's the name of that village, and in the village mm-hmm. of Swaipak, God planted a church. Yeah. And the local church is really the heart of all of the prevention programming that they have, of um, just the changing of the culture in that place. There was a culture where it was it was okay to sell your daughters because of poverty, because of not understanding their value, because mm-hmm. of a lack of moral compass. Um, and, and that is significantly changed. 18 years ago, it was a very different place to where it is today. So today there's a church of 200 or 300 Cambodian mm-hmm. believers. It's, it's uh, led by a Cambodian pastor. They have young disciples. 
disciples and a kids club that they do to reach out to local um, to local people from actually Vietnam who are stateless and don't have land, don't have working papers in Cambodia. Um, and so they, they run like after school programs for them. They allow them to go to a school that AIM operates. Um, and so there's, Michelle, I just, I just want yeah, to go say. Ahead, go hit the, it. Yeah, the, um, the first day we were there, we went to church. And it's and it's upstairs um, of where AIM is located, and all of a sudden, all the all these people just they just arrived, and there were testimonies, not in our language, but we could we had interpreted, and it was just it was phenomenal to see in the midst of what we knew, like Michelle said, had been this darkness that that Jesus was there. I mean, he he was so present and those people were so full of joy, singing and laughing and the faces of the kids and um, the the van or the um, the enlarged tuk-tuk goes to pick up the kids in this little Vietnam. What's a tuk-tuk? Oh. Deb, tell them about your tuk-tuk experience. <laughs> Our tuk-tuk experience. <laughs> a tuk-tuk is, um, well, it's like a two-seated vehicle. There's a seat facing forward, a seat facing back. It has a cover over it, and it's pulled by a, um, a motorbike. Okay. So the driver is the motorbike. Fortunately, there were four of us, so we could really experience. Uh, we went everywhere in this tuk-tuk, yep. and there are thousands and thousands of motorbikes, and they're like going every. There's like 10 lanes of traffic, and you're just, it's wild and crazy, but it was mm -hmm. amazing because we could smell everything, see everything. It was just phenomenal, but um, so this enlarged tuk-tuk has many seats that they take to this Vietnamese village and they bring the kids um, to, like Michelle said, this um, program in the afternoon, kids club. And we pulled into there, into the village, and the kids just come streaming out of their huts. It, they just come running out to see um, you know, the people that are coming to pick them up and mm -hmm. they're just so joyful and they come and they sing songs about God and about Jesus. And mm -hmm. one of the things I was just so struck by is um, particularly the little boys watching them with their hands together and their heads bowed, just praying during all of this. Mm -hmm. It was, it was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal to see. So hopeful. So, um, especially, like I said, about the boys, because we, we focus on the girls, we talk about that, but I think about these boys growing up to be young men mm. and how they're learning the value of human life. Yes. Um, not just themselves, right. but mm -hmm. their sisters and their, um, their yeah. neighbors right. and even their moms. Yeah, so. what, what, what a contrast. Yeah. I mean, all of the world is dark in different ways. Mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at a, a particularly particular flavor of darkness like in Cambodia but I was listening to a, a rabbi yesterday talk about tikkun olam it's a Hebrew phrase means to heal the world mm. and just to think that really I mean it's it's a wonderful you know aspiration but to me only Christ in the church you know he can heal the world but it's interesting that rab, rabbi um said, the world is a dark place, but scriptures are night vision goggles. <laughs> and I love that picture. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the scriptures, you know, the Bible, the church, Christ, you know, can go into a place like Cambodia and you have night vision goggles, but you can see and address what's going on. What does the church bring? What does Jesus bring that, I mean, there's all, all, other organizations doing good work, right? There's NGOs, there's oh, people yeah, trying to help yeah, all yeah. the things around 100%. the world. But what does Jesus bring that 
only Jesus can bring. What, okay, let what? me tell you a story. So they have <laughs> they have um, a place called the Lord's Gym. It's a fully functional gym. They do like sparring matches and teach MMA or whatever the Cambodian version of MMA is, right? And so they will um, they have young men from the area and like boys and young men and men will come and train. Um, and the, the the intention of the Lord's Gym is to create a safe place where they can have uh, good ways to engage with the community. And a lot of young men are, are groomed to become traffickers. Um, and so in the Lord's gym, um, they share about Jesus. They do Bible studies together. They pray together. They prepare for championships and like matches and fights. And so there's just this camaraderie around sports that most of us have experienced in the U S you know, you've got like, you know, your FCA fellowship of Christian athletes that's doing things through sports, sharing Jesus through sports. And, um, and so that's a similar kind of concept with the Lord's gym. And there was a young man who was going to the Lord's gym and he was, um, he started going while he was still a trafficker Mm -hmm. and he was making $2,000 a month, which in Cambodia is a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and from the village that he's in is an enormous amount of money. And he was making that doing trafficking. And, um, he came to faith, learned, learned about the value of human life and decided that he could no longer do what he was doing, just took a step back from trafficking, no longer is a trafficker, and is now content to make $75 a month um, doing, I forget what his what his new role was, oh, yeah, yeah. but he's doing something, he's mm-hmm. doing something um, honest, he's doing something that is valuing other people, and and he is making way, way, way less. But for Jesus, he he just you know once your life has changed, uh-huh. that is that is the result. Is that we're seeing not only not only people rescued, but the heart change of right. I'm willing to take less because that's not who I am anymore. Yeah, yeah. And after these um, girls and young women are rescued, they are they're taken to a um, restoration home. Mm. They have house moms there. And they're, they're well protected, they're well cared for, and they are feeling the love of Jesus. I mean, it's, it's pervasive throughout their whole day. Um, and what we learned is that sometime very soon, it may have already happened, that of the about 60 that are in this restoration home, 32 of them are going to be baptized. Oh. And it was just, just amazing to think that these girls and women, some of them are in the restoration home for months. Some of them are there for years because mm-hmm. they're so young. Yeah. And they're there until they're ready. Mm-hmm. They're there until they're ready to, to take the next step. And they're, they're helping them learn um, other skills. Um, but the whole idea that they have a swimming pool behind the restoration house and they, they're going to baptize them in the swimming pool. And it was just unbelievable um, to think about that and then to come home and have our huge open baptism to have the, to think that around the world, mm-hmm. the light is shining. And, yeah. um, it's not the only open baptism service that's happening <laughs> no. this month. No, it's yeah. not. That's and, wonderful. you know, so they go from the restoration home and they learn these skills and Michelle and I were able to see them at the, at the training center. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't take pictures. Uh, but we were able to see the things that they do, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so AIM has, um, you know, they have a school. So for young uh, young girls, they can 
continue their studies or start their studies for the yeah. first time and mm-hmm. um, and graduate. And, and then they also have an employment center and the employment center makes jewelry and um, uh, has a whole line of t-shirts and kimonos and flannels and then also has a custom shop. So if you wanted to order for, you know, a hundred t-shirts of certain sizes, you can order those through AIM. Um, and what's really neat about those products is that they all are signed or engraved by the woman who made them. So mm-hmm. you can see the name of that survivor. I do. I have, have, a, I have a, I have a bracelet and a necklace that's um, engraved with the name of a survivor in the day that she was sa- um, that she was rescued um, and that her kind of new life started. And so um, those things are actually available online. You can, you can, search for Agape International Missions and find their mm-hmm. shop and, and, you know, purchase or shop through there. Um, and that's a great way to, for right. us back home to support. Um, and so those, those women are paid a fair wage and offered, um, child care for any children or dependents that they have and offered medical care for their entire family. So the, the employment center is crushing it as far as yeah. right, like that wraparound support to allow women to learn how to work in a job. And then some people stay there and some of the women say, you know, they're asked, what do you want to do? What's your yeah. dream? What do you, what do you envision yourself doing? And so we've seen, um, ladies that moved on to become working in salons. There's someone who became a realtor. Um, and then there's even somebody who decided that she wanted to bake cakes. Yeah, It was awesome. We went to the, the bakery where she baked and, um, I mean, these cakes are like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah. And I don't want to steal your thunder, Michelle, because no, you love to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the king actually got wind of the cakes, and she baked a cake for the uh, for, the, for king. the king, king of, of Cambodia. Cambodia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, she's ba- she's the she's the the cake baker for yeah. the king. Yeah. So you know, the thing that is just so beautiful about AIM is that they they rescue, and then they they helped you know they help with this transformation. I mean, they help because. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus that's right. doing the transforming. And um, they support them to find, find their new life, what, mm-hmm. their, what their life is going to be, and they don't, don't leave them alone to right. go back because, you know, that's what would happen. Yeah. They would go back to that life because they don't think they have a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that... Um yeah, I, I think about Compass Care is talking about erasing the need for abortion. Yeah. You know, it's like women who feel they have no other option, you know, choosing abortion. But you are dealing with a culture here where the women are taught they have no other option. Yeah. They're taught if they love their families, they'll let this happen because it's the only way for their families to survive. Yeah, they're very they, dedicated. They're not very allowed to, to dream family. of other options or right. to consider yeah. other options. And Michelle, you were talking to me before, I mean, just how cruel it would be to rescue them from something like mm. that and let them tumble back into it. Yeah. But just it takes that long-term commitment, you know, to provide a path forward, right. which is so, yeah. so incredible. And, you know, yes. I mean, I, everyone's always asking, like, how can we pray? What can we be praying for? And that's exactly it, Brad, is that there is a, right now, they have a home that it, that will have about 50 to 60 girls in it at one time. Um, but when we were talking with them, you know, they said, we know of plenty of other places right now where we could go and rescue Mm -hmm. girls Mm -hmm. but we don't have space to put them anywhere Mm -hmm. we do not have another restoration home room in the one that we have Um, and so they've been they are working on building a second restoration home and so we can pray that they would be able to build that that it would be fully funded um, Mm -hmm. because there's 
they have the opportunity, they know where the girls are that uh-huh. without having a place to mm-hmm. put them, they will right. not rescue and have them fall right back into where they were. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge, huge opportunity need. for prayer. A huge need for AIM is that they're working on building that second restoration home mm-hmm. so that they can continue you know, to do those rescues. Right, and for the staff there, um, you know, the principal of the school, the teachers, um, all the people that work for AIM, mm-hmm. um, just to encourage them, um, just prayers of encouragement mm-hmm. for the work that they're doing because this is this is hard work. It's uh-huh. really heart wrenching work, um, and you don't ever want to get hard to it. Right. So um, encouragement mm-hmm. for them, and we just had such an amazing, amazing time with those people. I mean, they're so supportive and so just so loving and so full of the love of God. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, um, you've heard so many stories of people there and stuff. What do you think um, they would want to say to us? What do we need to learn from what you saw? What, what should the kingdom here learn from what you saw of the kingdom there? You know, I think about, uh, we talked about the tuk-tuks. Uh-huh. Well, most of the tuk-tuks are driven by men uh-huh. around Cambodia, but there's a woman named Kim who said, I want to be a tuk-tuk driver. And so she started her own tuk-tuk. She bought a tuk-tuk, started her own company, and then she started hiring other tuk-tuk drivers who are women. Mm-hmm. And so they call themselves the lady tuk-tuk drivers. And I got to tell you, they are the best <laughs> of the best. all of the tuk-tuks because <laughs> it is 95 degrees in Cambodia. Yeah. The sun is shining on you. It's hot. And you get back into that tuk-tuk and they have water, <laughs> cold compress for your hands and for your forehead. Star. Yeah, yeah, compliment. So it, I mean, they're clean. The ladies mm-hmm. know what they're doing driving yeah. these tuk tuks, and they're very, <laughs> very good drivers. Um, so we were always happy to be driven around by a lady tuk tuk driver, and um, and and the woman who started this, Kim, she knows Jesus, mm-hmm. and she feels like her calling in life is to share the gospel through driving this tuk tuk. And so uh, many of the people that she has hired are also Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the people we were we were supposed to be driven um, for a day by, she said, you know, I I can't come today because <clears throat> somebody else is going to cover you. I want to go. You already know Jesus, and I need to share Jesus. And so since you already know, I cannot. I'm so sorry, but I cannot. I Kenna, cool. yeah, she said she did her hands together, which is a sign of respect. And she said, I can't, I can't come, I can't drive you today because I need to drive someone else who doesn't know Jesus. And so she was telling us all about the ways that she went to how she came to faith and then how she um you know, she just shares a little bit all day, every day with yeah. the people that she meets about how wonderful her savior is and yeah. how he's changed her life. Yeah, when you say that, it reminds me of you saying to me, we were talking about Cambodia history, these present experiences, just like, how? (sighs) (laughs) Happen again, but how ready is someone to hear the good news of Jesus? How how much do they want to believe there is a Jesus, that there could be a Jesus, you know, that that he is real? And, and, And so the openness to the gospel you know, you know, in that circumstance. So I think about the darkness there. You know, perhaps the darkness here is our inoculation against the gospel. You know, mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. our self-sufficiency, our education, our, yeah. you know, we're not worrying about the next meal. We have these intact families, and we have ways to reason away and rationalize away God. But 
you know, Satan took so much ground there. Oh boy. But his downfall is that Jesus looks so good. He looks so good. And it's a spark. So good. It's like the yeah. you know <laughs> it, it it's the spark when you when you turn off the main road into this town, this mm-hmm. Park, there there's a spark, there's a light, and you can just see that it's it's traveling, it's mm-hmm. spreading, and you see it in pockets and in restaurants where they'll have um, love or a, a scripture or something mm-hmm. in restaurants yes. where people who who are believers who mm-hmm. keep out the the activity mm-hmm. that they don't want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. it's definitely you know it's definitely spreading and it's just it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. So what a testimony. What you know. For us to get to see that, yeah. such a delusion we have here that we don't need him, and oh, they, they're living in the real world and they're seeing yeah. Jesus do amazing things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, anything else that you guys like to share? I, I'm kind of looking. I think yeah. we talked about the things that. Is there any final words? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the most important things is to really clamp your eyes on what it looks like. Um, there's a couple of really great documentaries mm-hmm. that you could watch if okay. you want to hear the stories. Yes. Um, and so there's a there's a story of a girl named Rex Mai that's and it's a documentary called Tending Clouds. Mm-hmm. It is on um, it's on YouTube, so it's easy to get to. And it's just her story, and she tells it herself. Um, she is a young girl. Her mother sold her to a trafficker who sold her to an American pedophile. And it's the story of her rescue, her healing, her coming to Jesus, and her testifying against him mm-hmm. in court. Wow. Um, and so there's a lot to unpack in that. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to hear her story and hear her tell it, um, you can watch the documentary Tending Clouds. That's It's, it's incredible. And it, and it really, you see Swipe Pack. You mm-hmm. see the place and the people and the founders and, the, and all of the people that God has used and is using to fight this thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, incredible. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for hanging in there. I know this episode mm-hmm. was a little long and there's more. There's more, but we got to end it. But we will definitely include those additional resources there. So certainly a link to AIM, um, a link to our Beyond page. So you can see the rest of things are going, but especially a link to this story, Tending Tending Clouds, clouds. Tending Clouds, so you can find it easily on YouTube and get some background and learn more and know how to pray, how to act, how to continue to respond. But God is on the move and it's just so (laughs) incredible to see what he's doing. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Thanks.